This is an ABC podcast. It is sometimes said that President Donald Trump is made of Teflon. No matter what the controversy, no matter how bad it seems, nothing ever sticks. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. But according to Steve Bannon, who was one of President Trump's closest aides, Trump has one weak spot. This is all about money laundering. The former Breitbart editor and White House aide says this is what the whole Mueller investigation is going to end up hinging on. The issue of money laundering. On the issue of money laundering. To launder untold millions in dirty money. Over the years, Trump needed help selling his apartments. Someone with contacts. I was uh, literally building Trump Towers by day and hunting bin Laden by night. Enter Felix Sater. Sometimes very common people. Uh, wind up in very uncommon situations. A Russian-born New Yorker who went to jail for stabbing a guy in the face, who was involved with the Russian mafia and was an informant for the CIA. The gentleman that recruited me told me straight out, it's very dangerous and you're on your own, but uh, your country needs you and if you can do it, get it done. And I did. And if Donald Trump has benefited from Russian money laundering, Felix Sater is the one guy who'd know about it. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is Russia If You're Listening, a podcast about the investigation into Russia's involvement in the 2016 US presidential election. Today, Felix Sater, Donald Trump's business partner. Together, they sold apartments that became the target of billions in laundered Russian money. We try to sell a product. We try to find our customer. And if at that moment the Russians are good customers, then they're good customers. Real estate is an attractive way to clean, dirty money. Criminals pay in cash, and if the property is under a certain value, they don't need to say who they are. Instead of giving their name, they can put down the name of what's called a shell company, a business that exists as a front to shield the true owners. One of the warning signs of money laundering can be what it calls an immediate resale of a property, uh, particularly at a, a big gain or a big loss. A telltale sign of money laundering is when property changes hands quickly. Some foreign crooks buy a bunch of apartments for way over the asking price and then sell it at a loss. They might lose money, but at least it's clean at the end. When you see something being turned around that quickly, it does raise the question of, why did the person buy it or why did the shell company buy it? Did they buy it as an investment or was it just a way of cleaning some cash up? There are some estimates that around a third of the most expensive apartments in New York are sold as part of money laundering schemes. And this may be what happened with some of Donald Trump's condo sales. Thomas Frank investigated it for BuzzFeed. I wanted to try to quantify the extent of exactly how many condos that were sold under Trump's name fit this sort of broad definition that FinCEN itself uses of a transaction that may involve money laundering. FinCEN is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, part of the US Department of the Treasury. You know, the numbers I came up with were very large. Thomas Frank analysed every apartment sale Donald Trump made over 30 years. He wanted to know what proportion of Donald Trump's condo sales were to shell companies in all-cash deals. It was $1.5 billion worth of real estate fell into this broad categorization 
of potential money laundering. It was 21% of the total number of transactions. And to be fair, that's actually not unusual when you're talking about the kind of properties that Donald Trump has both built and licensed to be built under his name. Now, of course, if you see this happening inside of a building you own, you're supposed to file a suspicious transaction report. But it's not exactly great business to tell the feds about possibly dodgy deals if what you want is for those deals to continue. So most developers don't check. How interested is Donald Trump in the people on the other side of the deal from him? Like any developer, very little. That's Felix Sater. If they bring a check to buy an apartment and the check clears, they're a good customer. Felix Sater is a career criminal. This is Trump biographer Tim O'Brien. Born in the former Soviet Union, he moves to Brighton Beach, Brooklyn with his family. He ultimately becomes a a world-class scammer and and, uh, an assault artist. As you'd imagine, Felix Sater describes his history a little bit differently. You know, I'm an immigrant that came to this country at the age of seven, grew up here, went to school, um, went on to work on Wall Street. I had a very successful career on Wall Street as a young man. Unfortunately, one night in a drunken bar brawl, one guy went for a beer bottle, I went for a margarita glass, and that changed the trajectory of my life. Felix Sater went to jail for a year for using that margarita glass to stab someone in the face. And here's where his story gets pretty wild. He got involved in a stock market scam. When I came out, I had no money, a young child, and in a moment of weakness, nothing that I'm proud of then or now or have I ever been, uh, got involved in the stock scam. Through the scam, he worked with the Russian mafia. Do you have a mob background? No, I do not. There was an incident in my life. They were involved, but that doesn't make me mob-linked. They were muscle, they were not part of the day-to-day. Felix says he got out of that arrangement and was looking for other work. He got a tip-off on a great business opportunity from a surprising source. Somebody from the British royal family tells me he has a friend who's doing a telecommunications deal in St. Petersburg, Russia. So Sater decided to go for it. He'd start selling phone cards to Russians. But working in Russian telecommunications means working with spies. Telecommunications in the Soviet Union and then in Russia was pretty much controlled by Russian intelligence. Hardcore. He says he became friendly with these Russian spies. And then one day, someone approached him in a bathroom in Moscow. Or he proceeds to tell me that the US government desperately needs... People like you. Well, specifically, that the people that I'm sitting with are high, high-end Russian intelligence operatives. The guy in the bathroom was also a spy. But he was American, a CIA agent. And he says, Felix, they seem to like having a drink with you. They seem to make jokes with you. He said, we've been trying to penetrate these people for years. He told Sater that Sater's Russian spy friends had some information the US would very much like to get their hands on. The Soviets at that point had developed a KH anti-radar system. He said, basically, their planes can fly in and our radar can jam them, and we need this equipment. So Felix Sater says he started working with the CIA. All was good, but one day, another knock at the door. It was the FBI. 
They wanted to talk about his old stock scam with the Russian mafia, but Sater was already working for the CIA. So he stayed out of jail by working for both American agencies. The range of things that you were involved in is staggering. Mafia here in the United States. Yes. You, Al-Qaeda. Yes. You gave her the phone numbers of Osama bin Laden. Yes. Sater says he helped foil assassination attempts of President George W. Bush and ex-Secretary of State Colin Powell. I'm trying to tick through in my head your potential enemies. Al-Qaeda, Cosa Nostra, Russian mob, Russian criminals, North Koreans. Aren't you scared? I've been scared every day of my life, but courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is conquering it. This story seems insane. But Sater reckons that he was basically James Bond. I don't think uh, if a screenwriter was trying to write this movie that they could make this up. But the most unbelievable part of Felix Sater's story is that it might all be true. Journalists have looked into this, and a lot of it has been confirmed by the US government. So Felix Sater was a spy of sorts for someone, and yet somehow he also had the time to get into real estate. We were in Trump Tower. Uh, We were on the 24th floor. Uh, Trump organization's on the 26th floor. Sater joined a property development company called Bayrock Group in the early 2000s. It was owned by an oligarch from Kazakhstan, and it wasn't long before Sater got to know Donald Trump. I basically um, knocked on his door, said, uh, I think we should become partners. I have great real estate deals. I'm going to be a very successful developer, and you want to work with me. It's a very Trumpian move. Um, I don't know. I, I think it was a very Felixian Did you guys move. get along? Yes. They apparently got along so well that Sater was once asked to show Donald Trump Jr. and his sister Ivanka through the heart of Russian politics, the Kremlin in Moscow. And as we pass an office, the security uh, guard, or I guess it was part of like the equivalent of their secret service, says that's the boss's office. The boss, meaning Russian President Vladimir Putin. And he opens the door just to show it, sort of take a look through the door, but don't go inside. And Ivanka said, do you think I could sit behind the chair? And he looked at me and says, okay, go ahead. I guess I convinced him. And she sat down behind the desk, spun twice in the chair, was very happy about it. Ivanka Trump says she doesn't remember this, but she doesn't deny that she took a tour of the Kremlin with her father's business partner. Sater was a good guy to be in business with. His employer, Bayrock Group, had a lot of money to invest. If you've got a big enough bag of cash and you plant it on Donald Trump's desk, he'll do business with you, no questions asked. Sater and Bayrock licensed Trump's name to build Trump Soho. The other project is in New York City's trendiest neighbourhood, Soho. Here it is. The project was announced on the 2006 season finale of Trump's show, The Apprentice. Located in the centre of Manhattan's chic artist enclave, the Trump International Hotel and Tower in Soho is the site of my latest development. Funny thing about this building, despite what Trump might tell you about it, is it's not actually in Soho at all. It's in the Hudson Square neighbourhood of New York, and it's not particularly in a nice spot either. When it's completed in 2008, this brilliant $370 million work of art will be an awe-inspiring masterpiece. But Donald Trump didn't just licence his name here, he also invested his own money in it. 
Well, I think the biggest example of this, and I think it's one of the most troubling, is, is a project that used to be known as the Trump Soho, uh, a mixed-use condominium hotel in Lower Manhattan that is alleged in court papers to have been a conduit for money being laundered from Eastern Europe. Described as a banal glass box, the Trump Soho was also a financial failure. So were the other two projects Bayrock worked on with Trump. But maybe these ventures were all doomed to fail. There are some suggestions that Bayrock may just have been set up to launder money taken out of Kazakhstan. And there's sort of a classic warning signal when when law enforcement investigators are looking at a business that is cash rich, but the businesses themselves keep failing as to whether or not that business is trying to turn itself into a washing machine for dirty money. Let me give you an example. In 2013, a young Kazakh couple bought three apartments in Trump Soho. Her father was the chairman of the largest bank in Kazakhstan, and his father was the mayor of the largest city in Kazakhstan. The bank claimed that he had presided over the misappropriation of 10 billion United States dollars of the bank's monies for his own personal benefit. The dads were accused of stealing from the bank and the city, so they fled the country with billions of dollars in their pockets. And now their kids were buying up Trump apartments with the allegedly dirty cash. As you point out, those three properties that were bought for $3.1 million, there is a lawsuit filed by the city of Almaty, Kazakhstan, claiming that those properties, among others in the U.S., were bought using illegally obtained money that the former mayor is trying to launder. Authorities in both Kazakhstan and the U.S. say that probably constitutes money laundering. But this wasn't the only money that Trump apparently got from that Kazakh family. I was in the Republic of Georgia over the weekend. In fact, that's why I didn't do your show last week. Trump wanted to build a Trump Tower in the city of Batumi in the Republic of Georgia. They're building a place called Batumi. It's going to be one of the great places of the world within four or five years. I'm doing a big development there, and it's been amazing. The money for it came from the funds allegedly looted by the chairman of the bank in Kazakhstan. Trump flew to Georgia and announced the big deal while standing next to the country's president. He collected a million dollars in licensing fees for his name. Well, thank you very much, Mr. President. It's an honour to be here. It will be something very special. There isn't a Trump Tower in Batumi. Some financial experts doubt there was ever going to be. They think it was a massive money laundering scam. Felix Sater's shady past was exposed just before the Trump Soho development was opened in 2007. Donald Trump has been publicly trying to distance himself from Sater ever since. About how many times have you have you conversed with Mr. Sater? Over the years? Over the years, if you could ask. Not me. many. Not many. If he were sitting in the room right now, I, I really wouldn't know what he looked like. Mm-hmm. But that's not quite how Sater sees it. You worked for him, with him for many years? Yes. Spoke with him, what, dozens of times, hundreds of times? Yes. You say you can't speak for him, but what does it feel like when, the, when, after all that, Donald Trump says, I don't think I could pick him out in a room? Disappointing. But despite Trump disowning Felix Sater, the two continued collaborating for nine years. Felix worked for the Trump Organization and was given an official business card calling him a senior advisor to Donald Trump. Felix Sater also had a hand in trying to seal the deal to build a Trump Tower Moscow. 
and I had a developer in Russia that I would do it with, and we would just put the deal together, just like any other deal. He emailed back and forth about Trump Tower Moscow with his childhood friend Michael Cohen, you know, the guy who just pleaded guilty to tax fraud and campaign finance violations. Some of the emails that you wrote to him about this project were made public, published in the New York Times. One of them said, I will get Putin on this program and we will get Donald elected. Buddy, our boy can become president of the USA and we can engineer it. I will get all of Putin's team to buy in on this. What did you mean by that? I was trying to do a real estate transaction. I clearly was not involved in the campaign. In the emails, Sater also talked up ways that candidate Trump could get Trump Tower Moscow over the line. The Times also wrote that you that you wrote you were eager to show video clips to your Russian contacts of instances of Trump praising Russia and would coordinate for Putin to praise Trump's business acumen. Quote, if we says it, we own this election. Yes, I wrote that. A lot of people have been wondering, is one of the reasons that President Trump was so easy on President Putin during the campaign is because he was looking to make this deal happen in Moscow? I can't speak for the president. Felix Sater is a bit of a mystery. Given that so much of his life remains shrouded in secrecy, it's hard to know whether you should take him at his word when he says things like... I certainly would never in any way, shape, or form, work with people who are our geopolitical opponents to the detriment of our country. And it's also hard to know how seriously you should take statements like this. If at the end of this investigation we discover that associates of President Trump were actually working with the Russians as they were interfering in our election, what would be your reaction? Send him to jail. The thing about the Trump Soho and Trump Batumi projects is that Kazakhstan wanted the stolen money back. So there has been a lot of investigation into what happened. But that isn't how it works with Russia. Vladimir Putin doesn't try and find out where missing cash has gone. So there could be a lot of Russian laundered cash ending up in Trump's apartments and we wouldn't know anything about it. Felix Sater doesn't deny that he sold Trump apartments to Russians. If at that moment the Russians are good customers, then they're good customers. But we have no idea how many. Lawyer Ken McCallion, who is a money laundering specialist and former federal prosecutor, says he thinks it's a lot. All the Trump projects were largely financed, predominantly financed, well over 50%, uh, with Russian and former Soviet Union uh, financial and money cash sources. In 2008, Donald Trump Jr. told a real estate conference that Russians make up a pretty disproportionate cross-section of a lot of our assets. And even President Trump himself doesn't deny that he sold condo units to Russians. I mean, it's possible that it's condo or something. So, you know, I sell a lot of condo units and somebody, somebody from Russia buys a condo. Who knows? I don't make money from Russia. Because of the layers of secrecy surrounding Trump's business, we don't know how much Russian cash ended up in his pocket and how many of those sales should have raised red flags and been reported as suspicious transactions. But The New Yorker's Adam Davidson says the Russian oligarchs who bought the apartments would know. The Russians and the Kazakhs have a long history of amassing these huge dossiers of all the financial activity of all sorts of people exactly to use it for blackmail for political purposes. And what the compromise experts told me is even if they had no thought he'd ever be president, uh, Donald Trump, famous American developer, they would have known everything about this deal. They'd have it 
all. And they would find ways to communicate to him or his staff that they know bad things about him. And that is why Steve Bannon thinks this is the biggest thing Trump has to worry about. Russia, if you're listening, is produced by Yasmin Parry and Will Ockenden. Next, Felix Sater's childhood friend, Michael Cohen. I protect Mr. Trump. That's what it is. He has been all over the news lately for pleading guilty to eight criminal counts. Michael Cohen takes care of situations like this, then gets paid for them sometimes. Gets paid for them sometimes, it's reimbursed in another way. Depends on whether it's business or personal. Michael Cohen was Donald Trump's personal lawyer for nearly a decade, and you would struggle to find a more loyal Trump employee. I've never come across a situation where Mr. Trump has said something that's that's not accurate. There are... Seriously? Yes, seriously. But Michael Cohen's attempts to take care of the boss have blown up in his face. He's now under pressure to tell special counsel Robert Mueller everything, from Trump's deals to his alleged affairs. I know you don't believe in climate change, but a storm's a coming, baby. What will he reveal? That's coming up next on Russia If You're Listening.